Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I trust you're having a good day. I'm back. I'm here at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I would like to continue on my series, uh, what I've been talking about. Actually, we are talking about the realities of redemption. And we, talk, we talked about the new birth, about the new creation in Christ, about the power of the new creation, about uh, what Jesus did upon the cross. And now, so we talked about the forgiveness of sin and receiving the new life from God and what that means for us. And now we are talking about healing and uh, we talked about healing in the Old Testament, etc., etc. And I'm kind of building up towards that. Uh, so today I'm going to start talking about the ministry of Jesus, the healing ministry of Jesus, because uh, uh, I want you to remember one thing, that to be a Christian is to be like Jesus. That's what it is. To be a Christian is to be one who strives to be like his master as much as possible. So uh, keeping that in mind, we'll go into the study and study the example of what Jesus did. But uh, before I go into that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sharing a little, I share a little testimony uh, at the beginning, and I want to share this testimony with you. It's a beautiful story from years ago. Um, we were holding a crusade in a town in Zimbabwe, and we were in the stadium. And there were, I mean, there were humongous amounts of people. The place was packed out every night. Thousands of people and I preached the gospel. People were healed. People were saved. And then I began to notice there was a woman right in the front of the crowd. She would stand right in the front of the crowd with a boy about 10 years old. That was her son. And like other African women, she carried her son on her back. And uh, then when I would pray for the sick, I noticed how she would take the boy off and put him on the ground and he, he, his legs couldn't carry him. He would just crumple and fall to the ground. So uh, I watched her. Uh, I saw her the first night. I saw her the second night, the third night. She was in the same place, same spot. And when I would say, okay, do something you couldn't do before, she would take her son and she would uh, put him on the ground for him to stand, but he couldn't stand, his legs couldn't carry him. So I asked one of the pastors, I said, who is this woman? Can you check for me? So, because my heart began to go out to her because she was there every night. So that pastor, he talked to her, he found out she lived about 10 kilometers away, which was about uh, uh, six, six and a half miles away. And she would walk all the way, carrying her son to the crusade and be there like four o'clock in the afternoon and we were starting at night, but she would be there so she could find a place right in the front with her son. And then she would, you know, really expecting God to heal the boy and nothing would happen. Then she would pick the boy up again and go back to her village, six and a half miles, 10 kilometers away. And, and my heart began to go out to her. So I, I would pray for her specifically every night and nothing happened, you know, first night, second night, third night, that's when I found out and uh, what, you know, about her. So I was watching her the fourth night, I was watching her, nothing happened. And the fifth night, nothing happened. And the sixth night, this was the last night. And the whole morning I prayed for her. I prayed for that boy and I pleaded with the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to see that little boy healed. Now he was lame since birth, had never walked. I said, Lord, you, you must do something for this boy. And anyway, the sixth night came, the last night, and uh, she had been there every night, every night. She was persistent, wouldn't give up. And so on the sixth night, I, uh, I preached and I, I was just watching, watching the woman. I had my eyes on the woman, I had my eyes on her son. And then I said, uh, 
uh, you know, I prayed for all the sick and then I said, okay, now do something that you couldn't do before. She took her son off and put him on the ground and he again fell down to the ground and my heart just sank. My, my heart really sank and uh, I felt so broken for that little kid, for, for the woman. And anyway, uh, she, she picked up her son again and just, uh, you know, stood there and then... Uh, all these other people who had been healed, they came up to the platform, we got their testimonies. And um, now was the end of the meeting and we, we just, I prayed a prayer and closed the meeting and the musicians began to pray, play their music and sing their songs and the worship and praise songs. And you know, the Africans love to dance and people were dancing and shouting, rejoicing at all the things that the Lord had done. But I found it very hard to rejoice because I, I was thinking of the little boy and my heart was set on him. And so everyone was dancing and I, you know, I, I, I didn't even want to look at the woman. And I, I just looked away at the crowd and the whole stadium packed with thousands of people shouting, singing, dancing. And suddenly I turned and looked at the woman and I see the woman dancing. And a little boy standing next to his mother dancing also. And when I saw them dancing, I also began to dance and I... I just praised God. And then, you know, God began to speak to me through that miracle. He told me about the tenacity of faith, that faith never gives up. Faith doesn't give up. She came for six nights, first night, second night, third night, fourth night, fifth night, sixth night, carrying her little boy on her back about 12 and a half miles uh, back and forth every night coming to the crusade driving back uh, sorry going back in the night to her village and uh, on the last night Jesus met her now you might ask why didn't God heal her the first night I don't know what I do know is that God always hears prayer uh, even if it isn't when we ex when we want it to happen but it does happen it will always happen because Jesus upon the cross bore the diseases of that little boy and that he always hears prayer. Never give up, never stop believing God. Be tenacious in faith, hallelujah. We read in the scriptures examples of people who were tenacious in the faith. Tenacious faith always gets an answer from God. Praise God. Anyway, uh, we finished last night. I, I started talking about the brazen serpent in the wilderness and and I want to kind of revisit that. And uh, it says that uh, actually, you know, it says and Moses made it numbers 21, 19. Moses made a servant serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, what the story was that the people of Israel were in a place called Mount Nebo in the wilderness, which is now actually in, in the nation of Jordan. And uh, so what happened was that the people were backslidden. They had backslidden, they had turned away from God. And the Bible always tells us that when the people of Israel served God, they would be blessed. But when they would be turned away from him, curses would come upon them. And the curses in Deuteronomy 28 are threefold, the curses of disobeying the law of God. One is the curse of poverty, the second is the curse of disease, and the third is the curse of death. And so, but in this case, the curse came in a very unusual manner that it, that suddenly one day 
thousands of snakes came from everywhere. I mean, nobody knows where they came from, but all these snakes appeared and began to bite the people. Snake bite is a very slow and painful way to die. And you can imagine thousands and thousands of Israelites on the ground screaming in agony as the snakes went around and bit them until somebody said, this is because we have turned against, turned away from the Lord. Let us go to Moses because God still speaks to him. We are far from God, but Moses walks with God. So somebody went to Moses and uh, Moses went before the Lord. He pleaded with God and God told him, Moses, take some copper and make a serpent of copper. Now, copper is a, a very soft, pure copper is a very soft and pliable metal. And he says, make a serpent of copper and nail it to a pole. And then you go to the middle of the camp and raise up that copper serpent on that pole in the midst of the people. And whoever looks at that copper serpent, his sins shall be forgiven. The curse shall be broken. The disease, his diseases shall be healed and he shall not die, but he shall live. So Moses quickly fashioned a, a, a serpent of copper and nailed it to a pole and ran to the crowd, held it up and he told the people, this is your deliverance, look at this copper serpent. And that day an amazing miracle happened. All those people who turned to the copper serpent looked at the copper serpent that day. The Bible says there was this mass miracle that took place. Their sins were forgiven. They were, they, the curses over their lives were broken. They were healed. They didn't die and they lived. And this was a huge, huge miracle. So the copper serpent became a symbol of God's healing covenant. And the people of Israel actually carried that pole with the copper serpent around. They, they, they carried it all around. And, uh, and not only that, that copper serpent on a pole became a, a symbol of God's healing covenant so that even today, 4,000 years after Moses, if you go to any hospital and pharmacy in the world, you will see if you go, you will see a symbol of a serpent on a pole. Uh, you know, army, uh, military, medical doctors and nurses, if you look at the badge on their cap, that's what it is. It's a copper serpent on a pole and people don't realize it comes straight from the Bible. It is a symbol of healing. Hallelujah. So, uh, but uh, what happened was that when Nicodemus came to see Jesus, Jesus talked to Nicodemus and he says, uh, he began to talk to Nicodemus. Firstly, he began to talk to him about you must be born again because that's the most important thing. And then Jesus in verse 14 of John chapter three, he began to talk to Nicodemus about the copper serpent. And he said, just like Moses lifted up the copper serpent in the wilderness, in the same way, the son of man shall be lifted up. And so Jesus was talking about himself as the fulfillment of that, uh, uh, you know, because everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow uh, but the reality is found in Christ in the new covenant. So that's why one of the rules for interpreting Old Testament uh, uh, scripture is that every Old Testament scripture, you have to interpret it and look at it through the prism of the cross. Because if you don't, if you just don't look at it through the prism of the cross and you don't see Jesus in it, what you end up with, you is either become legalistic 
or you come to this uh, idea that God only loves the Jews and nobody else. And both of these ideas are wrong. Any, every Old Testament scripture has its fulfillment in Jesus. You have to see it through Jesus, otherwise your interpretation is wrong. But anyway, so Jesus was telling Nicodemus that in the same way I shall be lifted up. He was talking about his cross. I shall be lifted up. And so Jesus is our, uh, you know, he's been given to us. Instead of the Old Testament, they had the copper serpent, but we have Jesus and whoever looks at Jesus puts his faith in him. His sins are forgiven. His diseases are healed. The curses over his life are broken and he shall not die, but he shall live. You see the parallel there. But now there are some significant differences between the copper serpent and Jesus. The first difference is that the copper serpent was only for the people of Israel. If you were not a Jew, it didn't matter. You could have looked at the copper serpent, stared at it, danced around it, whatever. It wouldn't do you any good. It was only for the people of Israel. But Jesus is for all nations. It's for Jews, Arabs, Chinese, Japanese, white people, Africans, everybody. Jesus is for everybody. That's the first difference. The second difference between the copper serpent and Jesus is that the copper serpent was a one hit wonder, as I call it. The only time that miracle ever took place was that day in the wilderness on Mount Nebo, when the people of Israel looked at that copper serpent and they were all healed and they were set free. It never happened again. It never, there's no record of anyone ever being healed by looking at the copper serpent because although the people of Israel did carry the copper serpent around for centuries, uh, that's, the, that's the second difference is that that copper serpent, it did what it did only once. But Jesus, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. For 2000 years, he has been saving people, healing people, setting people free every single day and he has not ceased, he has not changed. The third difference between the copper serpent and Jesus is the history of the copper serpent. Where is it? Well, I'm glad you asked because as I said to you, the people of Israel, they carried that copper serpent around. Uh, you know, it was a re reminder to them of what God had done for them. But the interesting thing is that the last trace of the copper serpent we find in the scripture is 1200 years later, 1200 years after Moses, uh, you know, for, for 1200 years, the people of Israel carried that copper serpent around. And then what they did was that they uh, finally built an altar to it and they began to worship that thing. And then uh, until 1200 years after Moses, you come to the days of King Hezekiah and Hezekiah, he saw how the people were, had built an, an altar to that copper serpent and they were building, you know, they were worshiping and worshiping it and Hezekiah was angry. So what he did, he took the copper serpent and he had it destroyed and the pole and the copper serpent were destroyed. So for 1200 years, the people of Israel carried it around until they began to worship it. And finally Hezekiah had it completely destroyed and it disappeared without a trace and nobody knows where it is. So that's the history of the copper serpent. It just disappeared. But what about Jesus? Well, we know where Jesus is. He died upon the cross. He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and he's at the right hand of the father and he's interceding and he's praying for you and for me. And he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he's still healing the sick. 
He is still saving sinners. He's still setting people free here on earth and his ministry has not changed. Hallelujah. It hasn't changed. It hasn't diminished. So that's why I want to study, uh, you know, to begin to study about the ministry of Jesus. I don't think I can go through it all uh, uh, today, but uh, let's just start and we will continue tomorrow and see how long it takes because we have the time. None of us is going anywhere. So the last prophecy of Jesus in the Old Testament is in the book of Malachi uh, chapter 4 verse 2. It says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Praise God. So now I want to read to you another scripture here in 1 John 3, 8. I read this scripture right in the beginning when we uh, started these studies. I think I did that five, six days ago. And this is why Jesus came to this earth. He says, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. This is why Jesus was manifested. This is why he came to this earth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, what are the works of the devil? In John 10, 10, Jesus said, this is very striking. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So Jesus made it very clear uh, the difference between his works and the works of the devil. Many, you know, many people are, uh, people are very confused, especially religious people. They sometimes think that, uh, uh, well, God is good and the devil is bad, but sometimes God, you know, for some reason, whatever, because he wants to fulfill a purpose, he, 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 he puts his hand, uh, you know, in the devil's pot and, 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 and you know, and the devil, uh, he, he allows the devil to do what he wants to do because he wants to fulfill a purpose. So uh, people get sick and God allows it because you know, he's trying to teach them something. And, and so, you know, there, there's a lot of confusion and most people don't know. It has gone so far that people, they, they, we are living in a day when there are certain theologians and so-called theologians and Bible teachers who are even thinking of retooling our own understanding of healing and the atonement. What does it mean that Jesus bore our diseases? Because obviously all are not healed and, and, and all that. And, you know, I mean, people are working through these things, but we, we have to understand, we have to stay with the scripture. And when we study the scripture, we understand that the thief, that the devil, he steals and, to, and kills and destroys. Jesus doesn't steal, kill or destroy, it's the devil who does that. But Jesus, he has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So disease is among the works of the devil. And Jesus went around healing the sick everywhere. When we read the Gospels, we don't see any place where Jesus kind of changed places with the devil, where suddenly Jesus, of course, he was healing people. When then one day he decided, okay, I'm going to make some people sick because I'm going to teach them something or I'm trying to fulfill a higher purpose in their life. That never happened. Jesus only healed the sick and the devil only made people sick. The devil never healed anyone and Jesus never made anyone sick. So we have to understand, we have to differentiate. Uh, there's a very clear, a clear demarcation between the works of Jesus and the works of the devil. Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Jesus uh, 
went around healing the sick everywhere and the devil is the work of the devil. Uh, 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 his works are sickness and disease. So now, if you, let, let me just say this. The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, contain about 3,500 verses. There's about, there's a total of 3,500 verses in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Out of this, more than 700, that is 20%, one out of five of all the verses in the four gospels show Jesus healing the sick. He is about to heal the sick, or he is actually healing somebody, or he has just finished healing the sick and casting out devils. I'm sorry, those two are included. 20% of all the verses, 700, more than 700 verses out of the 3,500 verses of the four gospels show Jesus healing the sick and casting out devils. So you can say in a way, you can say that's probably the one single activity that he did more than anything else, healing the sick and casting out devils. That was a key in the ministry of Jesus. And if we are to be like Jesus, if we are to, uh, you know, to be like Jesus, to be a Christian is to be like Jesus. If we are to be like Jesus and to minister like Jesus, we have to put the same emphasis upon healing the sick and casting out devils that our Lord Jesus did. Now, I'm not being extreme. This is not extreme. This is plain Bible. The problem is that uh, where the churches are today, where traditional theologians and preachers have, have gone today, they have kind of deviated and, and, and they have a new normal. And in the new normal, healing and deliverance are really, uh, uh, you know, outlandish extra things that are out there that are a, a specialized kind of ministry. No, that healing and deliverance have to be brought to the center arena because they are the main thing. Jesus went around preaching the gospel, saving sinners and healing the sick and casting out devils. So it has to be brought back. So, so uh, anyway, so then I want to share with you Luke 4, 19, when Jesus came to his synagogue, he came to his home synagogue and, um, uh, you know, he had been baptized and the Holy Ghost has come on him after he had been baptized. And then he went around healing the sick, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. Then he comes back to his home synagogue where he had been raised in Nazareth and they saw him and they gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he began to read. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me. This is actually the first verses of the 61st chapter of Isaiah. That's what is quoted in Luke uh, chapter 4. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Then he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Praise God. Now I will continue with this. I'll begin with this, explain to you what this means, because here we see that Jesus is actually, um, he's actually pronouncing that uh, the gospel era that we live in is actually the era of the Jubilee. Now to understand what he means that this is the acceptable year of the Lord, we have to go to the Old Testament and understand what the Jubilee meant because if we understand what the Jubilee meant, then we will understand what the gospel era is, what it actually is. And this is a 
fantastic, fantastic study. And we'll do that tomorrow. We'll talk about what did Jesus meant this when he said, and this is the acceptable year of the Lord. And today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So it's beautiful. It's fantastic. And I am enjoying sharing this with you. And I hope you're enjoying and you're being blessed too. Do contact me. Do write to me if God is touching you and blessing. I've received news from Sweden and other places. People are watching this. And, uh, and you know, many of my friends are watching this and are blessed. So we're going to do this every day for Let's see how far we go. But let us uh, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are watching this. I ask you, Father, that you impart faith and peace into their hearts, Father, and cause them to rise up and take a hold of their inheritance, Father, that they have in Jesus Christ, that we have total victory over the power of sin, over the power of demons, over the power of diseases in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I come against every sickness, disease, infirmity, and fear that may assail any of my brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus, I cover them with the blood of Jesus in spirit, soul, and body, and I speak life and health and healing be healed and be blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in each one of our lives as we go from glory to glory in Jesus' name. Praise God. We will continue with this. Now, uh, another thing I have wanted to mention every day, but I've forgotten, and that is if you have any prayer requests, please write them to me because uh, I seriously, you know, there's so many, I see prayer requests on Facebook, uh, you know, people getting sick and uh, just terrible things happening all over the world. And people write to me and they know somebody who is sick or any kind of thing. So, uh, and I feel it's so easy to say, well, I'm praying for you and not pray. But the Lord told me, no, you pray for these people and put your faith in there. So I'm doing that. I, I'm putting my faith out for people and praying for people. And I ask you to put your faith out for me and my family and pray for us also. And I pray for you. So if you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, please write to me. Uh, or you can email me also. And my email address is uh, Christopher at Pentecostalfire.com. Christopher, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R at Pentecostal. That's who I am, Pentecostal, P-E-N-T-E-C-O-S-T-A-L, Pentecostal Fire. That's one word, Pentecostalfire.com. God bless you in the name of Jesus and God bless your home and your family. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.